Pod Clubhouse. Yes, it's a good day for singing a song, and it's a good day. Welcome to Dreamland, the Hollywood podcast. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. Tonight we're talking about Hollywood Episode 7, A Hollywood Ending. The episode was written by Ian Brennan and Ryan Murphy and directed by Jessica Yu. And it was the season finale. What'd you think, Mike? Did you feel like overall, did this one actually do what it said it was going to do? Did it rewrite the Hollywood story? I mean, it certainly gave the most Hollywood endings of Hollywood endings, I think, ever. The question of whether it actually (laughs) answered or fulfilled the promise, the thesis statement of the show set way back in episode one of Let's Rewrite Hollywood, I don't know. Maybe we'll try to answer that again once we're done talking about this episode. Yeah, let's let's break this one down because there is a lot to, to cover here. First, where episode six ended, the nasty lawyers, because lawyers are bad, had destroyed the print of Meg. Did you ever think that there wasn't a way that someone, I mean, Harry, the horny editor, maybe, but someone was going to have an extra copy of Meg? What did you think? I felt fairly confident that there was going to be a Meg copy somewhere. Now, Harry, the horny editor, I am signed up for the spinoff. Like, I love it. I want an HHE, like, hard, like... He is so funny. He is such like a a wonderful, like comedic break in a lot of this sad funeral scene, really. Yeah, everyone's very sad, you know, for different reasons. You know, Jack is Jack is honest, but a little selfishly sad just because of of the doom that Meg is in at at this point in the story. And then a lot of other people are sad about Ace dying. You know, in the end, we talked about a lot about this in episode six, you know, Ace really completed his arc by coming around to the I don't know, the light side, if we want to say, or or the anti-white guy woke side from the 1930s, 40s Hollywood. So, you know, it is sad in a way for him to be gone. But at the same time, it also means that Avis is in control. Finally, right? And she definitely knew what she wanted. I mean, first of all, I totally squealed at Harry getting the copy out of his trunk. And he was super adorable. That whole line about Gloria Swanson. (laughs) No time for stooping. They just did straight up cunnilingus. I don't know that I've ever heard cunnilingus used in a TV show. Like, I thought that was hysterical. Or or so blatantly referred to as just being done straight up. <laughs> I mean, Harry, Harry put on his work hat and got the business. He so. did. That, oh my God. That really, it really made me laugh. Honestly, like Netflix, get on Harry, the editor. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if they're not going to give Hollywood a season two, but who knows? I mean, it's getting a lot of Emmy love. It certainly is. If, it's, if they're not going to give Hollywood a, a second season, maybe we get the Harry, the horny editor, the early days. I love that. Mm-hmm. I know one of the parts that you super loved was all the times that Hollywood throughout the season brought in real cinema, theater, movie making in general, you know, terms. And so when we get into that meeting with Avis, I thought it was a huge highlight to be talking about this concept of a wide release. Yeah, it's interesting. The wide release, I did a little bit of research into when wide releases really became popular. It's relatively recent idea. It really wasn't until the 70s and the 80s that movies started to play on a large scale number of theaters. Before then, it was a very either it was roadshow style where movies would travel kind of from city to city and, and gain word of mouth that way. Or or the traditional, which you still see now, where movies start small and they kind of add theaters as they go. Every week, the movie's doing well. Every week, it'll pick up new theaters. And so it starts small and then grows into a wide, wide release. But it's kind of taken for granted today 
that your blockbuster movies, the movies you know are going to do well, all have massive wide release, you know. And and right. now we think of wide release now as you know, two you know, three thousand uh, screens is a wide release is a, is still a big wide release. Box office mojo defines a wide release as uh, anything more than six hundred screens. So even under modern standards, six hundred seventy five screens would be seen, I guess, technically as a wide release, though small by our current standards. 675 screens is huge for this time period. No movie, the earliest I could, fi- I could find was in the mid-50s, a uh, movie opening up on, on more screens than this. So this was re- this is really groundbreaking stuff years and years ahead of its time. I also thought that the decision to lower the ticket prices, I think that was super cool. And you had said that you'd read something about, you know, AMC might do that as it's reopening post-COVID here. I think they're going to have to. I mean, no one's going to be paying $15 to go take a chance of catching COVID. So I, I had read that they were going to be offering tickets in like the pennies, you know, 50, some, 50 60 cents, something like that. So which is kind of crazy. But, you know, you got to get butts in the seats. Obviously, they're doing it here for a different reason. They're doing it to bring in the kinds of audiences that Meg is made for uh, the target demo who and they say maybe hasn't haven't seen a movie in a long time, maybe haven't seen a movie ever. You know, Archie, Archie says you're going to have a lot of poor black folks coming in to see this movie. And it turns out they're right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I also loved how much Ellen already had a grasp on manipulating the press and like, you know, saying that the scores were higher than they really were. I think that that's the type of thing that we see all the time now. And I mean, I think even audiences have gotten in on that where they like go and like sabotage you know, ratings and reviews and stuff like that, where mm-hmm. it's like manipulating the actual numbers. You know, did you feel like that rang true? Oh, for sure. I, I think this was one of the more really realistic things that happened in the episode. I think Ava's standing up and saying that she's going to announce today before the movie's opened, green lighting a, f- a new picture with Ray directing, Archie writing, and Camille starring. That seems a little more far-fetched to me. <laughs> Even today, that seems a little more far- far-fetched to me. And certainly in 1947, you know, in 1948, very far-fetched. You know, it, was a, it was the first of many, well, you know, Wizard of Oz, Tinkly Bells, like, ding, 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 you know, the, the bells of uh, delusion. Well, they were very clear that at the end of this, they were either going to be the smartest people in Hollywood or never work again. And I feel like moments like that was like, mm-hmm, that's exactly what I thought, right? This episode is full of optimism and just doing the right thing for the right thing's sake. And I love that. I, I, You know, we all need a little more optimism in our life right now. And I think Hollywood gave us that all season long. This episode, though, is you You were kind of Grinch-like if you walk out of this episode with any, anything less than a full heart. I think. Yeah. Even if you even if you find it a little too far fetched, which I may find it a little <laughs> too far fetched. Even if you do buy into the concept, just let go for a while, just relax for an hour and enjoy the impossibly happy circumstances that everything rolls. An impossibly happy circumstance. But my absolute favorite was this Ellen and Ernie coupledom. I mean, they were the perfect mix of sass and sexiness and and real love, like real caring. I loved them so much. And somehow the two of them, you know, I, I don't know if it's Holland Taylor. I don't know if it's Dylan McDermott. I don't know who to like. Both Emmy nominees. Both Emmy nominees. I don't know who to like say had the magic wand in this episode, but I just thought that, I mean, nothing about it felt sappy or, you know, just overdone, even as silly as it all was. I I mean, the wearing the fur and and joking about a quickie in the bathroom. 
I loved them. Her her horny escalation was adorable and so endearing because she just keeps adding it on. You know, maybe I'm just going to go throw a fur on over her nightie that she's wearing. Maybe I got a trench coat for you, Ernie. And, <laughs> I know. You know, we're going to, you know, forget. We're going to eat cherry pie. You know, she even oh, uh, she goodness. even ramps up the, the level of pie-ness that they're going to eat and fuck to, <laughs> which is fantastic. And I, and I love it. These are, I mean, Ernie all season has been a favorite of ours, I yes, would say. Yes, yes. And Ellen as well. And, and Ellen as well. And Ellen especially coming off of the awkward heartbreak mm. from Dick and coming out to her. And yeah, you know, Ellen was in kind of bad, a bad way romantically. So again, a wonderful Hollywood ending for these two to, to get each other. Any love that you find in your life is fantastic. And if you can find it late in life, you know, she was willing to, she was willing to settle with Dick for just like a life partner, like yeah, a roommate. Just companion. Like, yeah. Just like a really good friend companion. But with Ernie, she's getting, you know, she's getting, she's getting the Italian sausage on top of the companionship. So good for her. Right? She's getting quickies in the men's room. She's Louise. I mean, he's filling Damn. up her, I mean, he's filling her up. Not to use that gas pump <laughs> right, right, analogy. The golden tip. Yeah, he's giving her the old golden tip. Oh is. my God. I do want to mention that old Dylan is 59 and Holland is 77. God Go bless Coog. him. Coogan. I mean, I, I would, I, I don't know what sacrifice human or animal I have to make to look like him at 59. Uh, fucking shit. 77. I'll look like her. Yeah, for sure. Oh my God. I thought they looked amazing. Both of them. Now there was some sad news, although I'm going to say that they added the Hollywood tinkle tinkle on these two. I mean, we had the sad news of Ernie's cancer, which was terrible, but we had guessed this entire season that something was definitely coming along for Ernie, like without a doubt. But I think the Hollywood part to it or the like tinkle tinkle was that it really didn't even slow Ellen down. Like, I mean, it was hardly a pause. It was like, I'm still going to love you and I'm going to love you to the end and we're going to love each other. And it could have been like a real harsh moment, but it, it really wasn't. Uh, two things. One, how big of a surprise could this possibly be? With the amount that he smokes and the amount that he coughs, she probably can't be terribly surprised. Maybe cancer is still like a newish concept in in a widespread. I mean, it rears its head a couple times in this episode, sadly. So maybe it was kind of new. You know, we didn't have surgeon, surgeon general warnings on cigarette packs in 1947, 48 yet. Maybe the idea of lung cancer is, is still a new concept, but He's not a healthy guy with the amount he smokes and coughs. If, if you spend any time around already. So I don't know how what big a shock it is. But I think more importantly, and the takeaway from it is when you reach a certain age, you, you have a different perspective on love and life. And the idea of not being sad about the time you have left, but instead of embracing it and making the most of the time you have left, I think is an important concept that everyone could do well to embrace. Absolutely. No matter, whether, whether you're 77 or 27 or 47, the, the idea of make the most of the time you have with the people you love, no one could be told that enough. Absolutely. And I would have thought really poorly of Ellen if she was like, you know, I loved you when you're healthy, but now that you're sick, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, maybe, Dick's not doing, maybe Dick's not doing great with his boyfriend and I can get back over there. Oh, you know? shit. Yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> By the way, uh, just I mean, just to add another of her sass on top of this scene when she walks back in when he calls you you know you're my gal now so i'm gonna <clears throat> talk to you a little oh bit my god she walks in and she's already got the fur on over her nighty frock she's doing it, it oh yeah is, this it isn't is happening top. 
This is not talking. She is wearing the fur on top of her frock. So yeah, she <laughs> she is committed. You know, mind and uh, puss. So good for her. Wow, well. <laughs> that's graphic. You know what else was graphic? Seeing Claire and Jack wake up in bed together, only to have Jack have to have this confessional moment of, "Hey, guess what? I actually stopped your mom." Uh, equally surprising. Claire already knows and doesn't care and doesn't care because <laughs> Hollywood moments. I right. mean. Yeah, the, the fact that it was a source of awkwardness that we saw off screen between Claire and Avis. Well, you know, I kind of wish I had seen that. That sounds like a... That, that sounds, sounds like a better scene than seeing Jack tell Claire. Well, it sounds like some classic, like, Three's Company nonsense. Like, you know, like <laughs> like like some Benny Hill music playing over it. Oh and you're God. talking to me like, I can tell what his penis looks like, too. You know? <gasps> no. Um, you know, <laughs> or they're you know, exchanging pointers or something. I mean, you, there's a way to have fun with this. But the fact they're just kind of over it and the idea that Avis is so changed... That she's cool with her daughter being in a serious do. relationship with a guy who ostensibly kind of changed her life the way she changed his. I mean, Avis and Jack came along with each other at a kind of pivotal point in their relationships, in, in, in their Hollywood story. They're kind of both very important to each other. Jack Jack isn't where he is without stooping Avis. I don't think so. Whoa. Yeah, very, very, very true. I don't think I could be cool. There's a scene in a Friends episode where Joey, Joey is in a really horrible play. Like Joey Tribbiani was always in really horrible plays. And he is a spaceman. <laughs> and he is having the goodbye speech to his woman as he's about to climb a ladder. And he says, baby, I'm going to be gone a long, long time. But when I get back, I'm going to look up your great, 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 great granddaughter. Oh, my God. And baby, I'm going to want to get with her. Oh, my God. You know, God. that's kind of like Jack and Claire oh and Avis. Oh, my God. You know? That's terrible. I mean, he's got the old Model T and the new Model T in the oh, show. Oh, damn. Mm. Gross. I don't... Mm. Could you handle that? Could you handle being with anyone who had slept with either of your parents? Well, I, I'm thinking... I mean, he did some nasty things to Avis. Remember over the banister? Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to think in his head, he's like, well, your mom doesn't do it that way. Oh, no. Right? Maybe he never says it, but he's got to be thinking it. I mean, oh, is she going to let him bend man. her over the banister was staring at the Academy Awards? I, I don't know. Claire, she, she, gotta, she better get off it. Dang, I don't even know about any of that. Uh, yeah, we turned such a nice moment and turned it into something so horrible and dirty. But well, you know. It's just how I do. That's my Hollywood ending. <laughs> well, that scene ends because they're running in because Avis is squealing like a stuck pig because they got the receipts back, Mike. And guess what? It's fucking huge! <laughs> Give me a show me the money! Audiences love it. They love it. I mean, the, the uh, you know, Dick... Dick is the was really a hero of this season for so many different characters and 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 the stances he took against Ace and just the his whole arc. But this crowning achievement of the wide release and and then combined with reducing the ticket prices really shows his and Ellen's worth as business people, mm -hmm. which is not something we really talked about a lot. We talked about a lot about them being social champions right. of, of Meg and the and the creatives and the cast making Meg, but. This was great business sense. We're backed up by the newsreel that we get also that, you know, everyone is crazy for Meg. The idea that it was in so many theaters that so many people flocked to see it that all the protests melted away. They couldn't They couldn't stand against the tide of people coming to see Meg because it was everywhere, which was the point. Right, right. To get it on the lips of everyone so that everyone in the country, and again... There's not a 24-7 news media in 1947. You know, for everyone, black, white, 
Asian, rich, poor, middle-class sharecropper, you know, yeah. whatever it is, everyone knows about Meg. And in 1947, that's really hard to do to get that kind of mass immersion across the country because of Dick's plan. I think they accomplished that. And so it, it makes sense to me that it is the hit, that it is on everyone's lips. Well, and additionally, they asked the question, can a movie change the way a country sees itself? I think that's something that's worth conversating about between you and I, because I think that there's a lot of TV shows out there that attempt to change the way the world works. Like for myself, I think that Schitt's Creek is a wonderful example that I, I really feel like everyone should watch and, you know, take in stride so many different parts of being a parent or, you know, having to start over all these different things that like it can change your worldview. So for me, I do believe in the idea that a movie or a TV show can at least give you a moment to like think about things in a different way. Do or, you or ever feel that way? I do. And I, I think I think the most aspirational uh, creative person can be when they go to make a movie or a TV show or a musical, something something expressive like that. Music less so because it doesn't have the visual aspect to it. Mm -hmm. But also I, I think there's a lot of people who wish that they come up with the thing that will start the conversation or even move it further and actually make a difference. In a meta moment, I would venture that Ian Brennan and Ryan Murphy hoped to be able to change the country with the show, with presenting the idea of why can't it be this way? You know, why in 2020 can't we have the equality and the merit-based system not based on your, your skin or your sexual orientation or your pronoun? Why can't it be this way? If we were able to make it work in 1947, why can't we have it this way in 2020? Right. Uh, but, you know, shows like Schitt's Creek, I, movies, I mean, think back to when Black Panther came out. Uh, which, Absolutely. You know, a person of color in a lead superhero role who's a total badass and and not playing any kind of stereotypical tropes, but just just doing the work of a superhero. But that movie was transformational. His sister that is like the tech. Shorty. Okay, she's amazing. She's fucking amazing. And she is another one that I think like changes POVs. Like if you're oh. a girl watching this and it's like, hey, hold on. They don't go to like the Alfred type, you know, or like this guy right. who's going to fix everything. No, it's a young woman who knows all the tech and like right. can do all that. So for me, I, I do think that entertainment I mean, changes things. What you're talking about is exactly what, you know, not to jump too far ahead, but it's what Camille is talking about during her acceptance speech. The idea of when she was growing up, trying to find someone that looked like her that reflected her as a role model and i guess we have you know hattie mcdaniels you know the queen latifah character here but not in a leading woman not in a leading actress kind of way so camille is now serving that role and hopes to be that kind of mentor what you're talking about is exactly right and that's how that's how things change you you build on the backs of those who come before you and you and try and prove everyone's lot that way. So I love that idea. And I think too, I mean, I think people honestly need a, not just a role model, but like a, like a schematic of how to handle a situation. Because like there's things that happen in Schitt's Creek, you know, coming out to somebody or, or having a breakup or something that are done so well that I think that most of us would say, I've never seen it done that well. I've never seen it explained that way. Had I ever known that was an option, maybe I would have picked that, you know, because that right. was actually really well done. Just no one taught me that that was a choice. Right. Or or having your worst fears 
not come to fruition like in Schitt's Creek when Patrick is kind of accidentally outed by Johnny to his parents. Right. But they are cool with it and they're accepting of him. The idea of I've lived with this terror of admitting a truth to, you know, all my loved ones because of worry of how it's going to be received. And then them finding out and you know what? It's not a big deal. We still love you. You have, you, we don't think of you any differently than we used to. Same way Archie, you know, Archie doesn't reveal that he is a black man when he submits the script for Peg at that time. He hides that because he's worried about how it's going to reflect. And rightfully so. If, if they know what Archie looks like, before they purchase that script, they probably don't purchase that script, not 1947. Right. You know, why Ray is hiding his Asian uh, heritage, you know, and has to, and then has to, uh, you know. At uh, least be uh, careful with how he handles it, right? Reveal right, right, right. it as right. he per he chooses. Right. And, and and something Archie calls him out for, but, you know, a little bit. But, I mean, there is there's this aspect of hiding. And I feel like we've talked about this in a lot of these episodes of Hollywood. The aspect of hiding who you are. Dick Samuels, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, oh, or, all of them. Uh, George uh, Couric, right? Yeah, you, Cooker, uh, yeah. Uh, Cooker with the, you know, My Two Lives. What was the name of his film? That he like Double Life? Uh, my Double Life, yeah, yeah. You know, just, I mean, the tongue-in-cheekness of that. Everyone, so many people in Hollywood. Hollywood in the show are hiding their true selves because of the fear of what's going to happen to them, whether imagined or very real. In a lot of cases, it is a very real fear. So the idea that you can come and be your true self, I mean, that might be the lasting gift of Hollywood, the TV show, an optimistic way to be true to yourself and hope that everyone embraces you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's moments like like the conversation between Avis and Archie where, you know, we didn't necessarily have to have that scene where Archie goes and says like, hey, I'm, I've decided I'm going to take Rock as my partner to the award ceremony and he's going to be hand in hand with me and we're going to be on the red carpet. No hiding, no nothing. And she tries to inject, you know, her own like, oh, I understand being suppressed. And he's like, mm, like, it's not the same, sister. And like, don't try I, to make it the same. How did you feel about that? How, how did you feel? As a woman or as what? What's your take on Archie essentially saying you may have a struggle, but your struggle is not like my struggle? I mean, again, I've not walked in Archie's shoes, but I, but I think it would be fair to tell any man you've not walked in mine. I don't think that it's necessarily very hierarchy based in that way. I mean, women do get constant suppression. I just read these memes where it was like, it was like, I don't know why, you know, when a woman chooses the career, when she could choose like doctor, lawyer, whatever, why does she choose female doctor and female lawyer? Like, cause you know, there's going to get paid less. Like it was like such a joke of like, why don't you just be a doctor? Why do you have got to be a girl doctor? You know, it's like, oh, cause we're girls, you know, like that kind of thing. But the whole idea of trying to hierarchy who is more suppressed. I didn't really enjoy that conversation, but I mean, I'm, I understand the effectiveness, of course, not only just because of the of the sexuality aspect, you know, that like he literally cannot hold hands with his partner, whereas just, be, you know, Avis and Ace had a shitty relationship. He was leaving her in, in the dust, but it didn't have to be that way. It was like a choice. But the reality is that's how women were treated. So I don't know. It's a real like muddled line for me there when you're playing that game of like, well, this no. is worse and but this is worse. But I mean, women get beat in their homes all the time by yeah. their husbands. You know, it's it's not over. Earlier in the season, and I just alluded to it a minute ago, Archie calls Ray out for what he called passing, right? By mm -hmm. the idea that Ray may have an Asian heritage, but looks white enough that it's not really a hindrance in Ray's life. And he kind of he kind of puts him on blast about it, which it's something Ray is very 
conscientious of and worried about and keeps hidden. I mean, it's, his entire his entire arc about anime Wong stems from him not being able to embrace his Asian heritage for fear of what it would do to his career. And I didn't like it then. I didn't like that then because of the idea that your struggle is worse than my struggle. And and you know what? Objectively, Archie Struggle probably is the worst of anyone in the show. He Absolutely. Is, he is Black. He is gay. I mean... Right, they layered it on. Right. I mean, he has a lot going against him as far as social acceptance goes at this time. I don't think anyone wins when we hierarchy, I think that's a great word, when we hierarchy the struggle. We're all struggling, so let's all be together. Like, you know, Avis is, I think, trying to be empathetic there. And and listen, Archie is very angry. He's been angry for several episodes. Uh, so I think it makes sense that he has this this point of view. And I think it's a justified anger for what he's had to go through and, and the shit that's, you know, the threatening to take him off his name off of the picture. And, and yeah. in, in addition to rewriting parts of the picture, but you know, you can stay, but, you but can stay can on I... set, but like, we're going to take you off of it. Like that's a breaking point for him for sure. And so he is angry. Okay. But I'm going to pause you right there and say, but remember in the same way, Avis was in the role of being the head of the studios. And the second that her man can come back in, she's getting pushed literally back right. into the kitchen. A hundred percent. I mean, is told you need to go back into the kitchen. Right. So, I mean, there is like that weird accomplishing things, having it taken away because right. of who you are. It's a very dangerous slope when people who are being oppressed start to fight each other about whose oppression is worse. I, I don't think in the end that helps either because of the infighting. I think I would have liked to seen a more, yeah, I get you are also have been forced into this female role when you're, you know, you, you should be running the studio. You're making decisions that your husband and no, uh, none of his white man advisors, middle-aged white man advisors would ever make. Let's, let's do it together. But I, so it's, I, I guess my point is it seemed more confrontational than it needed to be. Yeah. I don't think, you know, Avis was, Avis was giving him sound advice of. Have he, you thought it through? Have you thought it through? Yeah. It's just, I mean, in, in a modern age where this is a televised award show, like they already talk about, it. they talk about later on how there have been death threats against Rock. Rock mentions it to Henry yeah. later on, and that's in a non-televised, just print media covering the the award ceremony. No television. Death threats become a major thing. The the violence that may be against you. So I think someone asking the question of Have you thought this through for your own safety? I don't think Avis Avis has already put her the studio's neck on the line. I don't think she's really speaking from a business point. I don't. I never got the impression that she was advising him. It was really bad for Meg or for the studio. Or, mm -mm. or no, I think she was really giving him sincere like mom advice of Have you have you thought through what this is going to bring upon you by opening the world to your private life? Um, Which is so. really a good point, really because there is a there is that whole portion about choosing to open the door to your private life. Like Brad Pitt would bring his mom to awards many years. Now, no doubt he was sleeping with a hundred women at that time, right? But he brought his mom as to not even open the fucking door to who he was bringing. I had heard he was sleeping with his mom. He probably is. But the whole thing about that though, is that it is still making a choice that has nothing to do with your sexual orientation. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, it doesn't right. matter. You're choosing as a celebrity and as someone famous to let everyone in on your private life. You don't have to do that. So that was even an element in there. If you really read between the lines, it's like, do you really need everybody to know who you're sleeping with? It's up to you. Right. People may be rude to you about that or may even be terrible. I thought that it was generally a good conversation. And again, maybe like we were talking about Shit's Creek, maybe one of those example conversations where it's like, how do I bring this up to somebody that I want to do something that might be uncomfortable? Or how do I respond to somebody? Like, 
she could have gone off the handle, but instead she was like, okay, well, have you thought this through? Like, maybe that's a good answer for right. a lot of situations. Right. All said and done, I think this is more of a quibble for me because he does take a stand and she is supportive of it. And she yeah. doesn't, she doesn't, she could have been like, no, like you are representing the studio. That is not okay. She could yeah. have. And, and God knows if Ace was still alive or, you know, fuck the attorneys were still running the studio. That's what they would have said. Absolutely. So... I'm happy how it worked out, and I'm happy that he's stepping out with Rock again. Just, just in the realistic career aspects. I mean, we learn Rock hasn't had a fucking role in the year since since the award ceremony because of that. Yeah, and, and so there is a real legitimate concern here that we see play out. So in the real world, not a Hollywood ending Hollywood story. Um, probably doesn't do it do you know though that like a lot of times that they will tell men who are very attractive and younger and unattached not to show up with people because basically you're busting the crush element sure. of like who you're with and so it's like if i can't if i can't be your wife i don't want that you know you're, you're you get over that guy real quick and you right. no longer look at him as the leading man because oh you've got this girl on your arm so like there's lots of times when they do show up with like just their press agent or or their mom or whatever so that they can maintain that level of like i'm available ladies crush on me right well the idea of a public persona in a private life is is a real concern everywhere it's a concern in for podcasters it's, it's a concern in, <laughs> in podcasting it is a concern in radio television people think that they know you and they put a lot of stock in the, the you that they think they know the public persona you so it is always a dangerous thing if you let people in too much into your actual private life because i think there is a reason for a wall you don't want people who don't really know you to get to know you if you know what I mean? I think so. But and, and, and honestly, I mean, a lot of the things that have to do with fame and celebrity have a lot to do with like mystique. If you knew every little in and out about a particular celebrity, you'd probably not be enamored with them at all. Anybody. You'd probably be like, ah, what a dick. Look at Ellen DeGeneres now these days. Everyone's hating her because she came out that, that there was that whole story where she was actually rude to her workers and stuff. But now we know, and now yeah. we cannot know that. Well, uh, so, well, that does that does that play into the conversation of you know you have to separate the artist from the art. Ooh, I don't know. That's a whole other issue. That, that's a whole other podcast. Level <laughs> what what was your general take on the euphoria of the awards announcement, where everyone's finding out and getting their calls? Oh, I thought it was cute. I mean, it was fun. I'm glad they did it in a quick montage. It felt very like. We gotta have a montage. This whole thing had a bunch of those. There is a couple of cue the music. Dun, yeah, dun, yeah. Dun, 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 yeah, yeah. Dun, dun. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but you know, the part that I really liked was the arrival at the Oscars because I always love to see hair, makeup. Are you a big outfits. red carpet person? Yes. Shit. Dang. You got, you Are got... you? No. Oh damn it! All I want to do is sit there and be like, "That's what she wore." I'm just there for the photo bombing. You know, oh, every now and you get damn. someone who's already been pre-gaming before they show up at the store uh -uh. and they start they start photobombing or acting inappropriate. That's what I enjoy on a red carpet. But yeah, I don't. Really I care about am the I spying everything from you know, was it a winged eyeliner down to the color of the nail polish, man? I want to know and see everything. Which I have to say, I thought Camille looked gorgeous. I loved her peach dress. I loved the flower cascade. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And loved her hair. Claire, she was fine. I mean, I thought she... I don't know. I don't she, really love she, her super Barbie look. Like it's, it yeah, just wasn't for me. She's a little. The show makes her a little washed out because she's so fair skinned to begin with. Her complexion is so fair that they have her like really bottle blonde ish. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
you just lose a lot of contrast, you know, and, and I think Samara Weaving is actually a very attractive woman, but I think the, the way they do Claire is so washed out a little bit. Yeah. And, and, and maybe that's just so you pay attention to also Her Camille. Wicked whiteness. Well, yeah, because, because Camille looked like a starlet. She looked oh, like, she's a, she so looked, beautiful. she looked like from head to toe looked like your classic Hollywood bombshell starlet. And I was here for it. I, I love the hair. I love the dress. I, her necklace was gorgeous. Mm, um yeah every, everything about her from head to toe yeah i think i feel like we've ragged on the show a little bit for period looks periodically which is funny because it's actually been nominated uh, a bunch of their technical stuff I, and costume design period okay, design. but here's the thing okay but I'm, this was this was my point was this was spot on i think maybe no, the not only was on. it spot on but it was beautiful and there's a difference i mean you can always go back to a period piece and find something gaggy out of it that was time appropriate but still gross you right. know like i hate the super tight hairdo that claire was sporting right. like was it appropriate to the time sure is it attractive no it's not it wasn't then and it's not now i don't know i'm not i'm not pulling like a that's not time like as if they fucked up the historical nature they right, didn't right. but it just wasn't attractive it just wasn't right. my thing okay you know you get me I, yeah i'm hearing you okay my best most favorite moment though was definitely rock and henry what'd you think about Rock and Archie walking up, Henry having his what the fuck moment. This this was one I was a little sad about the booing. You know, I guess oh, I guess man. I was expecting it. I guess it was expected, but again, this isn't televised. Who are those people booing for? You know, people people boo because they're gonna get on TV <laughs> and someone's gonna be like, oh shit, there were people were booing. Like, well, what the fuck? Like the the papers are gonna be like, ah, today at the red carpet ceremony there was booing when the two men. Oh, it's not a lady he's holding hands with. It's a man. You know, like so that old weird. Time, yeah. It's not a she. It's a he. It's a she. It's a he. Oh heat. my god. Yeah. Dum, dum, dum. yeah, but I loved Rock just putting Henry in his place. I mean. Henry is 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 super Henry here. He's only thinking he is a gay man himself, a closeted gay man himself. But again, he's only thinking about the optics, the business of Hollywood, and how this is a death knell for Rock's career, which sadly turns out to be correct at exactly. least for the next year. Um, so Henry is not off base business wise, but have a little fucking heart though. So I was really super happy that Rock got to unload a season's worth of anger and putting up with Henry's abusive there's no way short way i mean he is the harvey weinstein of his time abusive behavior and it was so great to see rock especially rock who is this kind of meek guy you know a little mealy mouthed really he pulled it together for an epic beatdown verbal beatdown of henry he absolutely did now what was confusing to me and i have to ask you henry's response was odd <laughs> i mean all i wrote down was he had this sinister sneer like he was staring at them and he took in the information and then they slow mode his turning around and obviously he was like putting on a face at that point but right it was even but then he looks back so i know there's, and there's, he's sneering even more so there's a putting on the face there where he kind of puts like, you could see him almost putting like his hands to his face and putting on a happy mask because he has to turn back around because he's trying to sell himself to the you know tabloid reporters of the time, the entertainment reporters of the time. He's trying to sell himself as a real producer now. That's his whole shtick during the entire Oscar awards, the the, the Academy Awards ceremony. Is he's a producer. He's really instrumental in this. He had final cut. He tells Hedda. Um, and so he puts on this face mask of this smile that he turns around. But when he turns back around to look after him again, he still has like it's like a smile sneer. I I wasn't sure if it was almost like he was happy that Rock finally stood up to him, like. 
like a little like that you know, know or or just like i'm gonna burn that fucker's house down while he's sleeping i i couldn't tell what it was i couldn't tell either but and it was scary though it was scary it was sinister i put joker-esque yeah jim, jim parsons kind of killed it this season oh my god did he ever yes. he is the most unsheldon like i've ever seen him and i've seen him a couple things i've actually saw him on broadway i've seen him in a bunch of things and he always has a little bit of sheldon with him in almost everything he does except for here his henry wilson really sheds the 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 Sheldon Cooper aspect of his persona here. And I give him a lot of credit for that. And again, Emmy nominated for his performance. That's so, awesome. I mean, I'm super glad he's being recognized. He's being recognized by her because, you know, you and I are talking uh, before we started recording about how we, both of us did not like Henry, like to the nth degree. But I think that's a credit to Jim Parsons' performance right. of how well he conveyed this just utter shitbag, like really unredeemable. And that's going to be a good discussion when we get to the end of the episode. Is he redeemable? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. So we move into the actual ceremony and we have this being seated portion. And, Mm -hmm. you know, earlier in the episode, we had Camille have lunch with Hattie and she'd been given this really important mentoring moment that, you know, she has to be in the room. Do not accept being pushed to someplace. Make sure you're seated right up front. You know, take it all in and and really stand in your space you know don't let anyone push you around learn from my experience yeah this is this is the i wish i had someone that looked like me had been through what i've been through so i can build on it moment uh that we were talking about earlier camille gets on stage and says that she always looked for someone to be her i mean hattie mcdaniel really gives her that advice of don't take their shit that they're going to give you i did and i regret it don't let them do it to you. And she does it. She really yeah. stands up and she really puts no, them she in No, she was place. awesome. When she said, you do not want to fuck with me. I was like, sure. woo. And you know what else? But politely. She I, said, uh, you don't want to fuck with me. Sure. I also appreciated, though, that immediately Claire thinks she needs to step up mm-hmm. and talk and to her. Jack. In this exact little scenario, Camille's like, you know what? I know more about what I'm talking about. I got this, Claire. And I was like, yay. That was the yeah. right thing to do. And I'm glad that Camille spoke for herself. She did the right thing. Yeah, and you're right. She is a strong woman. She doesn't need... Her, anybody she doesn't need claire or jack to fight her back or anybody for, she, or, she anyway. didn't need ray she didn't need nobody right. she and she's can complete, do this and she's completely successful and she gets herself seated exactly where she should be in the front row really like that scene i thought it was i thought it was an interesting and important thing for them to include and they could have easily skipped over it yeah but i'm glad that they did it me too yeah i'm glad so let's go through the winners and losers of the actual award ceremony because we had a ton of nominations i it was kind of absurd how many nominees nominations they actually had it was kind of a lot yeah um but technical awards too not just in the acting and directing and writing categories which they are nominated across the board but they're also nominated you know for like sound engineering and there were a bunch of technical because when they queue into the green room avis and ellen are are bitching about how they're getting closed out like the the world is ending for them when they queue in but they haven't actually gotten to any of the major awards yet ah good call on that i see where i see how you figured that out nice deducing so anime wong wins what'd you think did it matter that we saw that did it not matter what'd you think you know it was interesting that we circled around to anime wam because again when we meet ray his entire initial arc was i want to get an anime wong feature made i want to do peg as a springboard for you to let me for a studios to let me do an anime wong driven feature so i love the fact that we got around to it and that not only that she was in the movie, which I was happy about when they announced her that she was going to be part of the cast in the previous episode, but that that she is getting credited for that, you, you have to feel like that is a major step forward. Camille being a, a woman of color 
you know, Archie being a man of color, winning awards is huge. But I think we also have to remember the state of Asian actors, even still today. Yeah. But certainly in 1947 is not a great place. I mean, especially coming, you're coming after World War II. We're not even really at the peak part of like yellow face, which Anna Mae Wong alludes to in her speech. The idea of Mickey Rooney putting, you know, oh, yeah. you know, dressing up as an Asian man and acting in Breakfast at Tiffany's, right? Acting right. as like the most stereotypical offensive possible. Like that's not even come yet. So the struggle that the anime Wongs of the world are going to have to face is huge. So the idea that she wins here is a great Hollywood ending moment that I'm glad we got to see. No, who doesn't win? Jack. Jack. But did he? Did he in the end? But in the end, he found love. Him and Claire, they found love. You know, what's love got to do with it? For them, everything, because they didn't win any awards. They didn't. Claire wasn't even fucking nominated, and uh, (laughs) Jack lost. I know. But you know what? Listen, Jack is kind of a mope, you know, and uh, all said and done, probably one of the least interesting characters, I think, of the series. Right. But again, he's the straight white dude, like... Yeah, yeah, I think that's kind of the point. Him and Claire, the straight white people, I think that's kind of the point that they're the least interesting. We've seen their story played yeah. out elsewhere. We didn't really need a dynamic Jack-Claire story. But I do love the fact that he shuts Ernie down that, you know, don't be jealous. Like, the guy's Santa Claus. Like, right. I'm cool with that. Won. You know, like, I, you know, like, yeah. let Santa Claus have the win. So I so I was happy that he took that attitude. And yes, then he, he takes the opportunity to propose to Claire. And, you know, they're having their Hollywood ending. So good on them, I suppose. Good on them. And then we go on a win streak. Then it's just fucking right? Meg, Meg, Oh, Meg, my God. Meg. Ray wins. Archie wins. Camille wins. What did you think about Archie's speech? Because he gets up there. And again, inside inside the Shrine Auditorium. There's booing when he gets up there and he's talking about, he's talking about rocking his Well, they stood up and kissed. Well, yes, that's true. That was the moment. Right. Again, not televised though, right? Right. Because, and also Dick is there with his boyfriend. No one's saying boo to him. I guess, well, they didn't walk the red carpet. So they're just people sitting together at that point. I guess, I guess that's true. But they they stood up and kissed. Like, I mean, that was a big deal. It was a big deal. And I'm glad that they did it. And I'm glad, I'm glad that Archie was like, you know, fuck y'all. Like (laughs) I got the award. You don't. So you can eat a bag of dicks. So I'm happy with that. But at the same time, I'm like. Business-wise, professional-wise, do you say, like, you boo all you want? I, I don't know if that's actually what you do in the real world. I'm happy he did it. It's very cathartic. It's it's what we'd all like to do in our personal lives, get right. up and be like, fuck you for judging me. I'm me, and you have to deal with it. Like, There's it's very my few world. people who can get away with it. You know, people do that all the time. Some people, very successfully. Other people, it's like, oh, shit, remember when they did that thing? <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, ooh. You know, but Archie gets away with it because when he's down there taking pictures with Avis, she brings him over closer and, you know, finds out his salary's been doubled and his contract's been extended five years. Archie, Archie is the best winner among all of us. I know, so. right? He really did. And Henry pushed out hardcore. <laughs> yes. She's like, I'm never going to let you hold these awards. Yeah. He's like, I'm a producer. I deserve to hold the award now. She's like, I'm never going to let you hold the award. So- oh, my God. Do you know what? One of my favorite moments of the post awards was when Hattie and Camille have their moment of being able to like hug and, you know, just really praise one another. And I loved it how even just visually they had the two actresses wearing variations on the same dress, one being, you know, sort of like a maybe a more modern twist with the strapless and everything on Camille and then like a more modest look on Hattie. I just thought that it was it was really a beautiful little tie up to their story. I really wish we saw her more. However, I loved Hattie. I thought she was fantastic. And, you know, I'm here for Queen Latifah every time. You know, I think for such a, a big name, I felt all season that they really underused her up until her great speech that she gives Camille tonight 
I think the most interesting thing that they had done with her was the threesome aspect, which is sad for for such for how a great for she such is. for such well for how great Queen Latifah is, but how historic a, a person. I think it, I think that's sad that they used her so little. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she gave some inspirational speeches to Camille before this, but this tonight really maybe was the full price of admission that that warranted having a big name like Queen Latifah in this role. But I wish we got to see more of it because it was so great here. I wish we got to see more of her mother mentor figure for Camille. I I agree with you because I think that that mentorship is an important message to send out in this story is like, hey, look for people who have walked the walk before you and listen to their experiences and take them to heart and actually learn and do better. And I I think that that message was very subtle, not unlike like anime Wong's story. Like I thought that it was a very subtle, quiet win. Hattie and Camille, the the little moments between them, I think the concept of mentorship, of having someone who walked before you be the person to hold your hand, she wasn't being guided by Ray. And when she was, do you remember their fights they had where she's like, you're an asshole. And Mm -hmm. they were like, I'm on the show. But once being guided by Hattie, a woman who had walked her walk, it was like she could finally grow and blossom. She took all of Hattie's advice. It was the right call. It was the right advice every time it happened this season. No more so and no maybe no more significantly than than arriving at the award ceremony. And it gets paid off because Camille wins her award and she goes downstairs and Hattie joins her and they they embrace each other, you know, and there there is a there's a spark of recognition there of, you know, thank you for what you gave to me. But I think Hattie kind of thanks her also because she says, you know, they let me in the room this time. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like almost like she's giving like Camille is almost giving back. Like that Hattie gave her this advice to push it to push the movement forward. But because Camille did... She got sucked in with. She got sucked in, got brought along with, like, Camille's already changing the game for the better. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, Just to to back up, because we were talking about Archie's acceptance speech, I just want to give a little head nod that Jeremy Pope is one of of the Emmy nominees for Hollywood in the actor category, lead actor category in a limited series. You know, Jeremy Pope maybe gets a chance to make a fantastic speech. You know, like a real mic drop speech when if he wins, uh, you know, this September. That will so, be pretty amazing, honestly. It would be. It would be. I, I want all of them to win. I mean, I think it would yes. be something fantastic to see all of them. I was happy that the show got a nominee. I, you know, all, all of a sudden, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was a great, especially during COVID times. I think it was a great inspirational thing to watch. Again, whether believable or too far fetched, I think it was just seven well spent hours. Yeah, kind of sitting with it and and getting to see it play out. So I'd really like to see them sweep all of the categories. So yeah, we'll uh, you know, I I enjoyed how they kind of had this like epilogue portion at the end of the whole thing, like a year later when they had you know Henry trying to speak with Rock, which I did want to ask you. Do you think that Henry has any business asking Rock for forgiveness after how absolutely disgusting he he treated Rock for all those episodes? Like, I mean, it was so cringeworthy. Henry seems pretty sincere here. As sincere as Henry gets, he seems like he is trying to be a better person. Uh, he, he, he ticks off all the things you'd want to see someone do He's doing all of the things you would want to see someone do that was really trying to become a better version of themselves. And the idea of asking forgiveness of those that you have offended, I mean, this is a concept that goes into all sorts of of rehab programs. It's a key feature of of, uh, Yom Kippur. In the Jewish faith, the idea of asking for forgiveness of others before you ask for forgiveness of God, like the, the idea of 
going and seeking forgiveness for those that you have wronged and, and really, really wronged, like Henry has done to Rock and countless others, is important. But I think Rock is very much in his right, and I'm happy that he just doesn't roll over, even when he's told that, you know, this movie is, you know, he's being catered as the lead in this role about, you know, two homos in love. Just the way Such Henry, a weird way just to the way say Henry that. speaks about homosexuality. So yeah. I mean he can't even he can't even, he he still says like men like us. He can't even he's not even at the point yet where he can like say being gay or being homosexual in a way that doesn't sound like a dirty word coming out of his right. mouth. Well, I mean, he, he treats it like a dirty he word. He even which clarifies is, it. He's like not like porn. Like right, right, right. Henry. Right. Presumably God. you're not making a gay porn film. Henry. Right. We right. Hope that, that you want Rock the Star. Right, right. That's basically what your relationship was the last year. Oh, so God. a gay porn movie without cameras. What a mess. Or, I'm or actually movie. glad that they had Rock not go for it. And I it thought did. that Jim Parsons acting in it, I mean, you could tell he was crushed. He was crushed. He was crushed. And and and, and it seemed realistic though. Well, Maybe not realistic. Maybe in that situation, Rock being someone who is still power-wise. I mean, Henry's still a powerful person in Hollywood. I don't get the impression that his star has really diminished power-wise um, as an agent and or producer. So the fact that Rock does stand up to him maybe is actually not realistic. But I was happy that he did. But I'm also happy to see that Henry is making this journey. And I'm happy that Henry is embracing the idea and, and is really... Because I couldn't find any ulterior motive for it. So... I'm inclined to think he's being sincere in wanting to make a real love story, but between two men. I think so too. I think that that part was realistic. I think he wanted to. I mean, that whole thing was brought up in that awesome twist of the funeral scene. My God, Mike. I mean, no part of me did not think that that was not Ernie in the coffin. I mean, what? Yeah, just the way, because the characters, because it makes sense that Ellen would be standing up there for Ernie but as well as Dick. So it's really not until you see Dick's... Uh, no, it's uh, not until you see Ernie sitting in the seats. Well, before that, though, as they're panning across the row, you see uh, Dick's uh, boyfriend, the, oh, the partner, partner for life. You see him, and he's sitting next to Avis, and there's no, he's not sitting next to Dick. Uh, and then Ernie sits that's down. That's when you a, caught it? Sit, you caught it then? In the, I did not. In the second time I watched it. Uh, so, so it's really quick. So you see him, then it's Avis, and then it's the NPC, and then Ernie sits down. So the first time I watched it, I missed that. But on the rewatch, getting ready for notes and stuff, I noticed that they actually show him. So they drop they drop a, like a hint right before they actually get the reveal. Yeah. It was really well done. Because I thought it was great. It was nowhere. But the fact that Dick had cancer and succumbed so fast. And again, this is actually a real, real moment where some people get cancer and last so much further along than they're expected to some people get cancer and it takes them away from us so soon too soon dick was really an important part and i'm happy that they credit him as they do that without him meg doesn't happen all of the change that avis uh is it is it avis or ellen who's talking about the things that have happened in the last year it's ellen is it Ellen? Yeah, it's in her eulogy. eulogy. Mm-hmm. The, the idea that all of this change is starting to happen, that women of color, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, gay men, that, that the world is changing, that the rewrite is actually taking place. I wish we actually got to see that maybe. That's a montage. Maybe I would want to see like maybe marquees or or film posters. I don't know. I, I, it, it hit me less impactfully listening to it. I think I would have wanted to see maybe Ooh. that change over the last year. Okay. Even if even if they spent like 30 seconds or 15 seconds giving us a montage into the one year later, kind of like a fast forward screen, just seeing the change. I don't know. It hit me less. I'm happy for it, but it hit me less dramatically hearing her talk about it than if I had gotten to see it. 
Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. But to I me. love that it happened though, because that's the whole point of this is that it was a lot of exposition though, right then of like, oh, sure. these well, things have changed. Up, right. right. It was and then you're like, what changed? <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Show so, me. Yeah. Right. You know, well, don't tell me show. Right. Don't tell it's me. It's not a radio show. show. It's a TV show. Show me. Right. Right. You've got cameras. You can right. film stuff. Go ahead. Go for it. No, I felt exactly the same way. And in addition to that, I felt like, I mean, seeing though actually seeing dick in the coffin is that something that you feel like you could stomach like playing your own funeral scene like that no <laughs> laying in a no. coffin that's i mean that's a that's just so super dark and creepy and it's a little too meta no matter no matter how into character you are it's still you the person sitting in the coffin i'd be like make a realistic dummy of me maybe or, <laughs> or can i just have a closed closed yeah. coffin with a picture maybe, maybe i died of cancer but i also died in a horrific fire that disfigured me oh, Let's no. have a, have a closed i coffin. could just ask for a clo they could have just put an urn they could have done a lot of things listen i'll take I didn't have to lay I'll, in the coffin I'll, you know when it's getting to the end i'll take a photo of me like winking and giving some finger guns and you can close my coffin and just put that picture up I, I think like that. that that I think that that's a lot easier on everybody, honestly. Well, yeah. You know, they, I'm it, for it for sure. Yeah, no, uh, really difficult, but really sad to see Dick. You know, I mean, he he became for me for sure my favorite character of the series. So it was very bittersweet to see yeah. that that we weren't going to see him continue to change the industry but it does sound like his legacy will live on though which is great i think so that that was amazing you know so so speaking of legacy living on they, they kind of passed it a little bit over to henry in that last part with the funeral and and him going to avis and pitching his love story i felt like that was like a moment where it was like well you're at a funeral mm -hmm. and you pull the like what would the dead person do really manipulative i thought so. really manipulative but you know i like to think that avis is immune to such emotional manipulation <laughs> because she's you know she's been around the block she was married to ace you know so i would hope that she is immune to it and so is able to see the truth of the words because i think it is true i do think that dick would have had the position of fuck it it's the right thing to do we're not hiding who we are anymore right we live we are now making a hollywood where we are who we are and we're not apologizing for it so i think he's actually right there but man there's a time and a place to do it and fuck it just came off so manipulative to do it right then. Yeah, I think there was increased manipulation as we went to the golden tip and he starts like chatting it up with Ernie. Oh my God, I had no idea what was happening in this scene. I honestly didn't. It wasn't until the second time that I was like, oh gosh, that was all played for laughs and like comedy and whatever. But like at first I was like, oh my God, is he actually asking Ernie? It was, uh, you know, it's a credit to the character of Ernie and the endless suaveness of Dylan McDermott playing Ernie that he takes this really kind of offensive thing and rolls with it so well and is able to be like, you're a f He's all just, I'm in love you're, you're with a, Yeah, you're just a piece of shit, but I'm in love. And, you know. <laughs> I even liked it that yeah. he called Ellen Kincaid. Yeah. Like, that makes me love Ernie that much more. He's yeah. like, I'm in love with Kincaid. They, oh, my God. It's like he just looks at her like such an equal. You know, he doesn't like my little woman. But he's like, with Kincaid. Like, she's like really well, a fully said, formed human. He claimed her in the bed, right? When he oh, gave her He's like, that. you're my gal now, right? So I, I can tell you things. That. Like, he's got like a whole. And I, you know what? I like I like the fact that he emphasizes earlier on in the episode. He emphasizes how many women he has slept with. <laughs> oh, my God. And Ellen's like, you got a point. To the point of like, are you done? You've. <laughs> You, you've just written like a like a oh seventh graders like essay report where you put like and 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 really 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 liked it like to get funny. to it. yeah but the fact that he says that you know other than his wife he's never had feelings for someone other than Ellen like that's mm. because it, it's sincere because he says other than my wife right it, there's you and 
which That's makes it nice. sincere. Right? Yeah, it I like It makes that. it truthful and sincere. So yeah, Ernie, real straight shooter, really loved him. And, you know, he's exactly the kind of person to handle Henry and his grossness and make it feel okay. One of the moments I super loved with Henry that is shocking to say that because I didn't think that sentence was going to come out of my mouth is was the I was him basically lamenting the concept of having um, a relationship that no longer has to be secretive, but instead now he's stuck going to farmer's markets and like picking out linoleum and he basically like is longing for the days of secret sex like that cracked me up so and hard. Yes. Secret sex and crocheting. The, the whole thing was right. like, was like, yeah, see, careful what you wish for. Well, that's You're going to end up at a farmer's market. So, so as gross as it is, when he says, you know, why don't you take me out back and, you know. Slap me around. Slap me around. <laughs> right. And, and you also, like, you know, and just the way he, he couldn't have said that to anyone else. Mm -mm. And no one else could have rolled with it better than Ernie. So it was a great scene, actually, as weird as it kind of was. And again, another twist about the, but they're actually on a movie set. It's the golden tip of the movie set. Because they're they're making Dreamland. What did you think about like how they kind of how they transitioned like the the camera right out of the garage doors right to right. The, to all those chairs? Oh, out there? the director's chairs! I how, know. I love seeing because they have the whole gang together. The right, the whole gang had their names on them. I hope I hope all the actors got to take those with them because that's pretty cool. Well, hopefully there's a season two, so we actually oh, see we, them use them again. Oh, maybe we get to see Dreamland the movie at the awards ceremony. Shut see what, up. See what it beats in 1949. Well, see, I'm curious, though, because, you know, in that scene, Henry basically said, careful what you wish for, right? Because, like, you can get equality, but, like, with equality comes, like, this other shit you might not want, right? right. Curiosity. If, like, you could go into season two and be like, well, because we did X, Y, Z, which all seemed perfect, what was the fallout? I'd be curious, are you going to have to go to farmer's markets and do linoleum things because now you're an outed guy? Or is there increased competition? Oh, well, what about that? I don't know. I don't know. Many questions to be addressed. So, yeah. So, well, you know, listen. So I loved the echo of the real scenario of Rock coming to pick up Archie oh played out in the scene where it's Jack coming to pick up Rock. Rock. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and you know, I could take you to dreamland, you know, it, it was a, it was a great little bookend for the show. And again, just just part of this whole Hollywood optimism. This 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 is how it could be. And just live a life where we don't give a shit about people, what people do in their private lives and let everyone be who they are. It's a I good know. message. It generally, a, yeah, it's, a, it's a great message. <laughs> and I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy how the how the episode ended. And, and so therefore, I think I'm really happy how the show ended. And it tied up loose ends. If it doesn't come back for a season two, this is a complete story. Maybe a little rushed. I mean, they definitely jumped time a lot as the season went on. Mm -hmm. I felt like we were going day by day kind of in the beginning. And then we were doing like months have passed by. Now we're in a war season. Yeah. You know, now it's fucking when? Now we're a year later and we're already making the homo love story. You know, oh like, my God. you know, so like, I think we're jumping like the, the jump, the time jumps got more and more extreme as the show went on. So maybe give it eight or nine episodes instead of seven. But that's quibbling. Just because yeah. I enjoyed it, so you always want to see more of what you enjoy. I agree. I completely agree. I always like to actually enjoy watching the filming and watching the, you know, you were enjoying the, the behind the scenes sort of like tech side of it. Sure. We could have definitely had more of that with the Meg story. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was lots to go there. Yeah, I mean, we really peaked at the $25,000 Hollywood sign. Yeah. That was like the most tech that we got of it. So, yeah, it yeah, really no. was. Yeah. So, but all in all, I thought it told a complete story. I thought it told a really optimistic story. In the end, did they fulfill for you the thesis of the show insofar as they gave a realistic roadmap to rewriting Hollywood and, and showing us a Hollywood that could be, should be, isn't, but maybe one day could be. The only word that I'm going to, I'm going to have an issue with is when you said realistic, because 
I don't know because I don't know all of the other parts that were really in play. I don't know if, you know, the protesters would have gone away. I don't know if you go from burning crosses to blockbuster movie to winning everything at the Oscars. I don't know. Not everything. I, I don't know. And so in that case, what I'd like to say is that it is a roadmap to try. Right. And it is a roadmap to make some actual progress forward. Would it all be successful? I, no. I mean, there's there would be parts that there would be blowback. There would be parts that would be like two steps forward, 10 steps back. But I think that the overall message of you got to try. We may be the smartest people or we may never work again, but you got to try. I think my question is more the parts of the story where Ray is telling Dick, listen, Hollywood creates the stories that create America, which is a which is a concept that Ernie also echoes separately to Jack, that Hollywood itself is built on a pile of bullshit. But for better or worse, Hollywood creates the lens through which we see America. The idea of a wholesome country is created in places like Hollywood. And so why not use Hollywood to show real people being true to themselves, that there are gay people in the world, in this country, that there are people of color in this country, that there are Asians in this country. Use Hollywood to show a real diverse country and reflect what it actually is versus this white picket fence, whitewashed notion of wholesome America that doesn't have sex, that, right. that, that doesn't do blowjobs in the back of a car. The idea that this is what's really happening, but we ignore all that. That is realistic, and I think the show does a great job of exploring that. I think where I'm talking about is it too far-fetched some places is, does it go, does it indulge in its Wizard of Oz moments, into its Tinkle moments, you know, the, the stepping out into the Technicolor too far too often? Is it realistic that they all win Oscars? <laughs> is, is it taking the idea of, look how great this could be? Does it spoil the idea of, let's work on making a Hollywood more reflective of a real, of what our country really is versus your whitewash nonsense that it's peddled for so long? I think maybe it's curious that they chose that the only way to measure the success of the situation was by an award, yeah, which true. is questionable as is. I suppose they also said that the receipts were great, which implied that America itself right, also a, weighed in. That's a better metric. To, it kind of is. Well, I would have also liked to hear though that it was, you know, we show, we see the sharecropper parents, you know, right. getting excited when Camilla's. There I was that I part. Right, there was that part. There was the, as IMDb quotes him, gay black man dancing in his room yeah. when Archie won, when Camille won, when the movie won. He was very happy. Like, I would have liked to see the metric, though, that showed that people like that. The, the, the people at home. The people at home. The, the people that they were talking about will go see this movie who would never go see a movie. Mm -hmm. the, the movies, the, the sword and sandal, tits or dog dies. Movie. Right. Like, they don't go see those movies, but they would go see a movie like Meg. I would like to have seen the metric of those people went out and saw it. And that's reflected in receipts because I think that's more uplifting. But I, I think I think the idea that the movie did as well as it did, we're supposed to kind of read into it that America across the board went to see the movie, which I'm happy about. It is interesting that they they really do judge the the value of the thing based on the awards. The, which is kind of messy, right? Because it's kind it, of messy, but also, but, mean, but that is realistic though. That and is they, very Hollywood. That is very Hollywood. So it's a weird, it's a weird, like we're gonna be really truthful here about how things really are, but we're gonna be like really over the board here. And so my, my worry is, or my question is, if we want to change the idea of representation and what we see on screen, that's a noble thing and that's a thing that we should do. And I think it's the thing the show 
does well of expressing, uh, you know, going to going to the mattresses, fighting so hard to get Camille to be the lead in this movie, to keep Archie's name on the movie. These are important things that we're still struggling with today in 2020, not just in 1947. Does it diminish the value of that argument when you also have them win all the awards? When you have the the Henry redemption arc, whether or not you buy into it, does those fantastical aspects dilute the value of the very real things that the show is talking about that we actually can fix and work on because from the angle of people who are going to look at Hollywood and be like nothing there is of value because look at how over the top fantastical it is uh-huh. so you throw the you give them a you give them an opportunity to throw the baby out with the bathwater and so you lose some of the actually really useful aspects of what the show is saying that we can work on and we can use an exam- as an example of building on. Like, look, this show featured a black female lead written, you know, starring in a movie written by a black man, and we still don't have that nearly enough in Hollywood. And Why is, not? And is it only valid if you win the Academy Award? Right. Right? Like, right, right. like can't can't these films be made and be loved and be... Be um, they're you know, not even a being success, made though. We're but... not even at the point where they're being made regularly though. The amount of black screen, the but, back but of major if... studios written by black men or women starring especially black females is shockingly low. Okay, but let me hear, hear me out on this. But if the measure is we're not going to do it because it won't win awards, well, that's true. And the only way that you showed that this was successful is that it won awards. Right. Then aren't you like, you're, didn't you just fuck yourself? Because you're right. like, it's like, because the you, value was in the have, thing being done. The not The value was always in doing the thing because the right. value was the representation. Right. The value, you know, the value is showing the little sharecropper, little girl, seeing, you know, and hearing that this movie exists. That it was the, there. the little sharecropper girl doesn't give a fuck if it won the award. No. It's going to, it's just going to remember that there was a woman who starred in this movie who kind of looks like me. Yeah, and that and that should be the point. And so right. if I mean if if it was a message directly to Hollywood executives, say it was. And they were trying to say, "Hey, look, you know, look in in our fictitious world, it swept all the awards. So see, you guys should follow this roadmap and you too could. Let's say you were a person who somehow could be compelled by that. I don't know. I guess I want to say as audience people, we love many many things that do not receive awards we think that they're fantastic and speak to us and they don't win an award i mean the amount of shows that i fall in love with that get canceled in one season is shocking that's totally true so i so i just want to throw that out that was my only little like jab in my heart in terms of like if you tell the story that this is a roadmap if getting to oz means you have to win all the awards and even if you lose you're still happy because you got because you proposed Then did you did you really set up like kind of a crazy right. pot of gold at the end that maybe shouldn't have been there? There's a version of the story where they all fucking lose and still party like there's no tomorrow in the green room because they still made the thing. Yeah, Archie still gets his five year deal, still gets green lights at a studio because that's what a studio stands for, making what films that they believe in, regardless of what. Listen, the Academy. The, of television arts and sciences the academy of motion pictures these are not people that we should be judging our lives with by. no the people the people who determine those awards <laughs> are not the people that you should be necessarily determining the value of your life by the 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 story the thing the fact that you do reach the little boy or the little girl who sees someone that looks like them who who serves as a mentor to them that you are camille who finds your hattie mcdowell that your little shopper sharecropper girl who finds your camille you're the the gay black man dancing in the room who finds your archie 
that's the value of the thing. I'm as compelled by them losing and still being happy and still moving forward. And I think in some ways maybe validates the, the real tangible takeaway of the story. We need to be making these things. It doesn't matter if it wins awards. It doesn't matter if it does great at the box office. The importance is in the thing being done. The audiences will come. The awards will come. You have to break some eggs. You have to start doing the thing. Because if you're just waiting for... If you're the, waiting for an Oscar to get waiting, the ball rolling. If you're waiting, yeah, if you're waiting <laughs> for the golden goose to, to, to anoint it, king and that's the only time you're going to make it a surefire thing there doesn't no. exist and you know what it doesn't exist for anything else so why should it exist for this not every story do they start off by saying well this is going to win an academy award so let's green light it there's plenty of things that can green light that they know full well are not getting an academy award but are still great pieces of, of work so why does it have to be a situation where oh we're showing diversity we're showing representation will this better win an oscar to do it the shape of what water are you doing? Isn't the shape of water a movie about a woman who fucks a fish and that one like the best picture <laughs> Yes, I mean, but yeah, you know what? So, Let me throw you know, out this but, other but, idea. I mean, so, I mean, who who thought when they? I mean, it's you know Guillermo del Toro. So maybe they thought it was going to win some kind of award. But who thought that was going to win Best Picture? I no one. Yeah, well there no you go. No one. Well, and let me throw this out too. I would have also accepted and loved the idea that they all lose individually, but the picture wins. Oh, I like that because there's a huge discussion about being a team. And about lifting each other up. Remember the the, the opening credits. Remember the reaching your hand back mm -hmm. on each letter and pulling each other up. What if the whole thing was as individuals you lose, but if you stick together as a team, you win the Oscar for Best Picture. I like that. I think that might be the best scenario. Uh, and and so on that note, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> Though I'd like to say that the intro theme design did not get nominated, but the intro theme music did well that's great yeah, well good on them i am wishing them all the luck at the emmys i think that they all deserve it they all told a compelling story that that was both interesting and you know what i'm fine with little flights of fantasy it's fine sometimes people really hate that shit, and i'm sometimes that person where i'm like you went too sappy i can't stand it don't but this one maybe because it's COVID times maybe because things are sucky you know it's okay by me to yeah. have a little glenda the good witch come bopping in every once in a while that would be yeah. nice if she's around for sure and come you bop know, on us and, and if this i mean listen out of this we have you know jeremy pope getting nominated uh, you know uh, uh color and doing uh, acting his ass off in the show and the fact that he's nominated maybe there's the value in hollywood just the fact that he is nominated the fact yeah, that they have life. the fact that they have four acting not carried over yeah you know you have him it's nominated you have holland taylor nominated you have dylan mcdermott nominated and oh jim parsons those are the four so, uh, not so that's not great that it was the other four white people in no, the but, show but, but, jim but, is, not, but, but you know but, but jim is gay that's true so that's true. so i mean if you think yeah. about it in those terms yeah i mean so i don't know i say across the board this is well worth y'all's time i mean i think it's definitely for something sure. that we enjoyed for seven episodes and i mean i think, I think that this was, most I people would yeah i don't think i don't know this is a show for everyone but i think certainly in COVID times if you have an open mind and I just want to chill and, like, and just and just kind of enjoy something that is is fun and and does have a good message. I don't think you can knock the message, no matter how fantastical it gets in some parts. Yeah, I think this is a show for you. I just want to leave you with a little facts. Oh my, what? So 1948 really was the 20th uh, year of the Academy Awards. It was a real year. It was it was a real year. 1948 did exist, and so you know, I just want to give you some idea of the of Meg beats out several uh, real movies that existed that we heard mentioned tonight. So I just want to give you, uh, just for historical context, the best motion picture was not Meg in 1948. It was no. it was Gentleman's Agreement, which we heard was nominated. We did. Uh, Elia Kazan, not Ray, 
wins for Best Director for Gentleman's Agreement. Best Actress is not Camille. It is Loretta Young from The Farmer's Daughter. Which we saw. Uh, which is interesting because Rosalind Russell, who we heard uh, mentioned, they name-dropped her tonight. She was actually, for a second year in a row, she was nominated in 47 for a movie and then nominated again for 1948's Academy Award for Morning Becomes Electra. So oh. she had back-to-back nominations. She had four nominations in her career. They were 1947-48. Uh, she lost. But Loretta Young, Loretta Young wins for The Farmer's Daughter. Best Supporting Actor, Jack did not win in the show and obviously did not win in real life because he's pretend. But And then Gwen did win for Miracle on 34th Street as Chris Kringle. So Aww, he really, I love that Santa Claus one. Yeah, and he really did win for Best Supporting Actor. So mm. that was actually a real nomination and a real win that they gave him. Maybe the show made Jack lose because they even... Ryan even Murphy, even Ryan Murphy could not have Santa Claus lose. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So, uh, and best That's original fair. and best original screenplay did not go to Archie. It went to Sidney Sheldon for The Bachelor and The Bobby Soxer. Nice. So that's a little rundown on the actual Academy Awards from 1948. Kind of gross on The Bachelor and The Bobby Soxer. People did weird shit back then. Right. Not now. Nobody does weird shit now. No. So. We've, <laughs> we've eliminated all that thanks to Hollywood. Thanks, Hollywood. We appreciate it. Guys. Thank you, Hollywood. Thank you, Hollywood. <laughs> hey, guys. Thank you for listening. I know we really sat on this one. Caroline and I are not good with doing finales of shows. Uh, we hate stuff to end. So, it always, <laughs> so we sit it on it forever. Me. No, it really does. Really. Isn't that your deal? Yeah. I just don't like, I don't like the, I don't like the series to end. And especially when we don't have like a, like a guaranteed second season or something right. like that. I absolutely drag my feet. Yeah. We're, 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 you know, we're finishing Welcome to Dreamland Hollywood podcast now, and you may not be coming back to Dreamland. I know. That's, that's, sad. I mean, that's sad. Thanks a lot for really bringing us down there. I know. I but wasn't Dreamland fun while we were there? Dreamland was fun when we were there. What are we supposed to say? Don't be sad that it's over. Be happy that it happened. Yes. Oh. Also not the destination. It's the journey. That's right. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening to Welcome to Dreamland, the Hollywood podcast. I'm Mike. This is Karen. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.